Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio version of my show, Rebel Roundup, where we cover the hottest Rebel stories of the week. Today, my guests are Sheila Gunn-Reed and Kian Bexty. If you like the podcast, then you should become a premium content subscriber. That gets you access to the video version of my show, as well as shows from Ezra Levent and Sheila Gunn-Reed. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, and as a special bonus for you, we're offering a 10% discount if you use the coupon code PODCAST. Just go to therebel.media slash shows to become a member. Thanks for listening, and now enjoy the show. You're listening to a Rebel Media Podcast. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. So, there were dueling pipeline protests on the steps of the Edmonton Legislature building the other day. One group was pro-pipeline, the other group was anti-pipeline, can you possibly guess which group was violent, yet also claimed to be the one that was being victimized? <laughs> Just wait you hear this story from Sheila Gunn-Reed. And Antifa was on the march in Portland last weekend. Par for the course, Antifa members acted like the violent thugs they are. But here's something new. The police turned a blind eye to the carnage, allegedly at the bequest of the mayor, Kian Bexty recently visited Portland to ask citizens there what they thought of this prevailing climate of loony left lawlessness. In short, they're not happy. And finally, letters, we get your letters, we get your letters every minute of every day, and I'll share some of your responses regarding our most recent mission in which we drove a Jumbotron-equipped truck through the streets of downtown Toronto, highlighting the most recent miscarriage of justice, namely, serial assaulter Jordan Hunt being given just eight months probation for his heinous actions. Those who comprise the People's Court are not amused. Those are your rebels, now let's round them up. That is some quick acting by the legislature sheriffs and Edmonton City police officers. They caught that young woman who tried to attack those boys in midair, it looks like. And to their credit, the boys didn't retaliate. They just dispersed and walked away. Now, one of the organizers of the event, Emma Jackson with Climate Justice Edmonton, actually tried to compare this to the Covington Catholic School fiasco because... Jackson doesn't read past a headline or read past the first eight hours of a news cycle, it would seem. Jackson would like us all to believe what happened on the steps in Edmonton 
was an example of toxic conservative young masculinity, as was the first narrative that emerged in the Covington Catholic High School scandal when young pro-life men from Covington Catholic High School seemed to be confrontational and aggressive with a benevolent Aboriginal protester at an American March for Life. But as longer versions of a video taken that day came out, it was pretty clear. The boys were not the aggressors at all, but rather the targets of the aggression. You know, folks, I really do go out of my way to avoid ad hominem attacks. But even so, I must ask this question. Is Emma Jackson a moron? Or did her subscription to the internet expire the day after the initial reports about the alleged attack on a native elder by Covington High Catholic High School boys? It's either one or the other because no one in their right mind who has even a cursory knowledge of current affairs would be saying this late in the game that the Covington boys were oppressors rather than victims. Yet, despite all the lawsuits against the mainstream media fake news meisters, Emma apparently didn't get the memo because Emma compared some Edmonton high school boys to the Covington boys thinking that was a smear. Actually, it's a badge of honor. As for that thuggish woman throwing punches, well, Emma thinks she's the victim in this story that pitted pro-pipeline high school kids against anti-pipeline losers. Oops, another ad hominem attack, I guess. I just can't help myself today. And joining me now with more on this surreal situation that played out on the steps of the Edmonton legislature is the host of The Gun Show, Sheila Gunn-Reed, welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David, thanks for having me back. It, it's always fun, Sheila. And Sheila, I have a proposal, and hopefully it's not an indecent one. Namely, I think for the benefit of the Emma Jacksons of the world, we need to go back to the way they used to make Western, you know, Western movies in the old days, you know, where the good guys wore white hats, the bad guys wore black hats. That way there's no confusion regarding who's who. What do you think? <laughs> well, I don't even think we have to wear costumes. We can just read past, you know, <laughs> the first eight hours or the, the very first headline of a news story. Because, uh, I mean, she the self-owning that she did... Um, you know, it's like something you rarely see on the internet these days. They public her people published the video that exonerated the these kids, <laughs> and she thought it was some sort of evidence of their bad behavior. And then she goes on to say, you know, like, oh, uh, it's just like Covington. Yeah, it is. It is just like Covington, where you get it wrong from the very beginning and try to ruin some kids' lives. Yeah. It's just like Covington. Oh, or Sheila, do you think maybe that even though, I think on Covington for any reasonable person, any objective person that doesn't have a dog in the race here, you know, we know what the truth is, but do you think those on the left are still just doubling down and still maintaining the narrative that this uh, so-called native elder was harassed? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's cognitive dissonance, isn't it? Um, where even if it doesn't fit the narrative, they just discard it, and they can't believe their own lying eyes in the face of video evidence. It's just like with uh, what happened in Edmonton. They want to file, like the Climate March kids want to file a complaint 
with the Edmonton City Police because they felt like they were being mistreated by the Edmonton City Police when they aren't the victims, they did the attacking, and the police let them off pretty leniently because if my kid were attacked on the steps of the legislature by a climate marcher, I'd be making damn sure that there were charges filed and the the person, the young lady who charged those pro-pipeline boys, she got released later off later on that day with no charges, even though the police had to catch her like mid-lunge in the air to make sure that she didn't harm somebody. And, and you know, Sheila, I'm getting a little sick and tired of people being let off, whether it's that woman, whether yep. it is the infamous Jordan Hunt, the serial assaulter against uh, any woman that have a, uh, a an ideological viewpoint differing from his. Or what we saw last weekend in Portland with Antifa using baseball bats on people and the cops turning a blind eye, allegedly at the bequest of the mayor. All this does, Sheila, is embolden these kind of thugs to further push the envelope. And I'm sorry, there's got to be a clampdown. Assault is assault. Well, and that's why we went after Dion Buse so yes. harshly, um, because when we didn't get the justice that we knew that we that, uh, you know, that we deserved, I say we as a network, but I was the one <laughs> that took the camera to the side of the face. Um, we proceeded in civil in civil court um, and, you know, we got a pittance out of that and over thirty thousand dollars in legal fees. But it was the point that um, you can't hit our people here at the rebel or we're going to come for you. Same thing is going on with you and um, the madman at the hotel who, <laughs> who got <laughs> up in your face. Um, I actually you know, forgot just, about that. There's been so many, but go on. <laughs> you know what? I was talking about that last night with a friend. We were trying to list all the time that rebel or former <laughs> rebel alumni had been assaulted and we I had lost track of all the times that Kean and you had been shoved around and that's just what we see on camera it's not like when our beloved Efron got jostled around he he got jostled around with me when we were visiting Camp Cloud and I don't even think that made a story because it just <laughs> happened so frequently to him um but yeah there has to be a line in the sand and you know it, it's this end uh, to political correctness has to happen in policing if we're going to take back our streets and be able to engage in political discourse that doesn't amount to political violence. Yeah, and, and by the way, I don't mean to go off on a, a wholly different uh, tangent here, Sheila, but you raise an interesting point. I think if the kind of abuse that we get on the streets, <laughs> if this was happening to somebody with CTV, CBC, um, there'd practically be a royal commission. And I, I'm not you know, just pulling this out of a hat, we have seen um, literal, literal federal cases being made when a female reporter has that slur uttered behind her on camera, the effer right in the you know where, which I agree is vulgar and not funny and despicable, but hardly assault. And yet they treat that as such, but, with, but when you're a right of center news item, ah, you know, they're dogs, give them a good kick. It, it is such a, a despicable double standard, isn't it? It really is, but it's not just right of center journalists. It's anybody right of center. And I think this brings us back to those boys at, on the steps of the legislature. They, The climate marchers felt that they were justified in attacking those boys because chances are their politics are conservative, they're pro-pipeline. And these folks have been taught that... Um, 
political speech that disagrees with them is akin to violence. So it's okay for them to meet now violence with violence because now it just becomes an act of self-defense. Um, and that's where you see justifications of attacks on those boys, on Andy No in Portland, on me, on Kian, on you, is because our speech is so detrimental to their feelings that it amounts to violence. And so they're justified in attacking us because it's just self-defense at the end of the day. And, and you know what, Sheila, I, I shared your opinion in your commentary that I, I was just so impressed at the composure yes. of these boys. You know, I, I, I think of back when I was that age and, you know, maybe you get a little hot-headed uh, when, especially when someone is, oh, I don't know, throwing punches at your face and they didn't, um, you know, retaliate. And I think that's good on them. Uh, and I, I think that's further impetus that law enforcement shouldn't have been so lenient on them given that the abuse was completely one way against the other. And I think it speaks volumes too that in addition to Emma Jackson still playing the victim card, there's that NDP MLA uh, whose name uh, already escapes me, she's so insignificant, that was also expressing her sadness at the assault. But she's expressing sadness about the people committing the assault. <laughs> Yeah, and then going out of her way to try to find out what school these boys go to. Yes. Why? why? Why do you want to know what school they go to? So you can set a left-wing mob after these kids? They are from a small town west of Edmonton. Once you find out their high school and their graduating class, it's pretty easy to identify them. Everybody knows that. I've heard back from two parents of the kids involved and at least one of the students um, thanking us for trying to set the record straight because it's pretty scary when you have uh, you know, a, a mob, will like a social justice mob that could potentially come for you, especially in the face of what we've just seen happening in Portland, um, and then have them emboldened by an elected official. So, um, you know, it, those boys, I gotta tell you, pretty, pretty impressed with them. I'm from small town Alberta. Um, sometimes young men like to solve their problems over a, <laughs> good shove and a punch to the face and <laughs> they didn't respond that way and it's nice for me as a parent to know that it's not just my kid and his friends who are conservative and and pro-pipeline that there's a lot of severely normal kids out there in Alberta and it looks like the future of the province is pretty bright. Yeah, no, that is that is affirming. And by the way, Sheila, I've only uh, watched your commentary about what went down. I'm just wondering, um, what has been the other press coverage, if any, about that incident that played out? There's been very, very little. Um, some, I believe, in the Huffington Post that's very, of course, very sympathetic towards the climate marchers <laughs> who, uh, you know, that they were antagonized into acting violently by the, the hate speech of those pro-pipeline kids. Um, they tried to justify it by saying they've, they um, antagonized a young woman of color into lashing out like that, like her gender or her color has anything to do with the fact that she couldn't behave herself and control herself in the face of an opposing opinion. Um, but other than that, it's really been just us who are, of course, the way we always do, telling the other side of the story. So as long as the other side of the news coverage is this awful, I'm always going to have a job. And Sheila, why do they always bring race into it? I mean, 
Like that, that almost sounds like the racism of lowered expectations that because she was not just a young woman, but a young woman of color, you shouldn't have been taunting her that way because naturally she can't help herself but react violently. To me, that's racist. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, it, it's just like with the Covington Catholic School fiasco. The left really just wants these young, white, conservative males to be evil. They want them to be racist. They want them to be bad. They want them to be sexist and misogynist and, and homophobic and Islamophobic. And so they just try to like pigeonhole them into this narrative. So even if they were just chanting something as innocuous as pipelines, 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 peacefully on the steps of the building that houses our legislature, they have to form a narrative that those boys were evil and so evil that they compelled this innocent woman of color to attack them. It's oh. victim blaming. Uh, unbelievable. And, and, and how I feel sorry for her, and you made this point in your video, is how she's been so indoctrinated to mm -hmm. act the way she acted. But you know what? All in all, it was so affirming of the next generation in Alberta uh, on the right side of the equation, that being pro-pipeline. And I'll tell you another thing, Sheila, uh, and it's not just uh, in Alberta where people are making their pro-pipeline uh, pronouncements known. Uh, just driving into the studio here at uh, Rebel World Headquarters in Toronto on Dufferin, I came across a big 18-wheeler. I took a picture of this. Maybe we can get it up on the screen. It had on, uh, it had a painting on the side and it was thank you oil was the word. And it has pictures, illustrations, I should say, of a steering wheel, uh, yoga pants, a hockey helmet, a set of skis, all the things that even if you don't drive a car, all the things that make our lives so much better thanks to oil and thanks to pipelines. So I think it's good to see this message even in, uh, you know, liberal Toronto uh, being proudly shown. Yeah, you know what I think? It, more people are uh, pro-pipeline and pro-fossil fuel than I think they like to openly admit. I think it's just a severely normal position, but those people are usually busy um, raising families, having jobs, and they don't have time to make noises and march around the legislature holding poorly written signs. Yeah, indeed, and some, and much of that signage is, of course, uh, made possible by fossil fuels. I always say to these people at Climate Justice, uh, Sheila, live a year in Canada without uh, fossil fuels. Uh, once the penny drops that there's no such thing as dilithium crystals, uh, maybe that'll be your come to Jesus moment that oil is actually good for us. But we got to wrap it there. Sheila, thanks again, an excellent commentary as always. Hey, David, thanks. Have a great weekend. You too, my friend. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed in Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Kian Bexi for the Rebel here in Portland, Oregon, where over the weekend, violence erupted in the street that's right in front of me, in fact, Antifa caused brain hemorrhaging in a journalist after repeated blunt force trauma to Andy Noe's head. He was put in the hospital. Now, he's recovering now, and I came to Portland to speak to the mayor, Mayor Ted Wheeler, who has been said to have told police to not intervene 
in violent disputes like this in the street, which I thought was a little bit surprising. Now, I went to City Hall today to see if I could meet up with him and ask him if he thinks Antifa should be labeled as domestic terrorists. But when I got there, a security guard told me that he was on vacation. Now, these riots that happened in the streets right in front of me aren't the only thing going wrong in Portland right now. Just today, on Tuesday, a bomb threat was submitted to Portland City Hall. And not only that, a tornado touched down yesterday. Now, if that trifecta of events isn't enough to have the mayor come into work uh, and maybe skip out on a vacation, uh, I don't know what is. So since I can't ask the mayor of Portland if Antifa should be labeled as domestic terrorists, I'm going to ask the people of Portland, Oregon, should Antifa be labeled as domestic terrorists? Did you hear about it? It's, it's pretty big news. So a, a journalist was punched in the head by Antifa. Wow. Yeah. Brain hemorrhaging, the whole shebang. Uh, he was just released from the hospital. Oh, good. He, I think he's okay. He's kind of slurring his words a little bit. Um, but have you heard of Antifa in general? A little, yeah. And could, what are your thoughts on them? Do you think that their tactics are fair, reasonable, or...? No, I think they're too violent. That's crazy. Yeah. Would, you, would you say that uh, they should be labeled domestic terrorists? Uh, yes, for sure. Well, as you saw, the rank and file of Antifa are at it yet again, proving that their name isn't a contraction of anti and fascist, because they are the fascists. So, hey guys, how about a little truth in advertising? How about you rebrand yourselves simply as FA for fascists? But that's <laughs> nothing new. Antifa members have been acting like thugs, well, forever. What is new is a mayor basically acting like a corrupt mobster indirectly giving the Antifa terrorists protection by reportedly ordering the police not to interfere with Antifa and their violent handiwork. What happened last weekend to Andy No in Portland was a brand new level of despicable. And there are at least two people who should be sitting in a jail cell right now. That would be Mayor Ted Wheeler and the Portland police chief, whose name is, and I'm not making this up folks, Danielle outlaw. Oh, she's certainly acting like one given her grotesque dereliction of duty. And joining me now is roving reporter Kian Bexty, who recently touched down in Portland only to find that despite numerous crises affecting that city, Mayor Wheeler Dealer is simply too busy suntanning on a beach somewhere, so much so that answers to a plethora of some very serious questions will It'll simply have to wait. Hey, welcome to Rebel Roundup, Kian. Thanks for having me, David. Always a pleasure, my friend. So, Kian, a mayor and a police chief are pretty powerful figures when it comes to municipal politics, but even the mayor and the police chief are not above the law. And by not enforcing the law, these two have indeed broken the law. What, if anything, Kian, is going to happen to these two individuals? Well, I think that the voters will uh, will decide the fate of Mayor Ted Wheeler the next election cycle. Um, as for the police chief, she serves at the pleasure of the mayor, um, so that is indirectly uh, she's she's indirectly held accountable to the voters. But uh, the the police chief has redeemed herself actually just yesterday. Um, she's called on the mayor and council to implement um, 
uh, a law to stop people from being able to protest with masks on, which I think is a great step forward. Uh, and it really shows that maybe she wasn't really on side with what Ted Wheeler asked her to do. Because um, as you know, the police chief has to do what the mayor tells them to. Uh, they work for the mayor, they work for the people. So when the mayor says to do something, um, they're not at liberty to decide one way or the other if if they agree with it or not. So I have some some. I, I, I am I'm, I'm pleased with this development with uh, police chief outlaw. You know something, I can you, you touch upon a very important point here, and I hope you're right. I hope she was um, holding her nose and averting her eyes, taking this order. But I think there would have been massive public support for her if she defied the mayor. If she said to him rightly, I should think, Kian, that I'm sorry, Mayor, you may be my boss, I might be serving at your pleasure, but you are not above the law. And, because that is what happened last weekend. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, just speaking with the people of Portland, they are very upset with how Antifa has been acting in their streets, acting like it's their backyard, when in fact, it's not. It seems like everyone has been affected by them one way or the other. I spoke to a CAT scan technician who said that they were domestic terrorists and he treated a patient of terrorism uh, when he was giving them a CAT scan after he was clubbed in the back with a baseball bat. There was another person I spoke to who just worked downtown who was upset with Antifa because she never knew if she was going to be coming into work and there was going to be a riot or not. Huh. It seems like there is there is broad distaste for Antifa in Portland. Uh, I went there thinking that it was the city of Antifa. I thought that it was run by these communist thugs. And turns out, no, that's not the case. Um, they just happen to come out and uh, they're tolerated by the mayor. But the people of Portland are not on their side. So I, I would agree with you when you say that there probably would be some public support for the police chief if she disobeyed Mayor Wheeler. I mean, who is there to obey, really? He was on vacation when this was all going down. He was on vacation when both there was a riot in his city, a tornado touched down, and a bomb threat was submitted to City Hall. And none of that was enough for him to come to work. I don't know. It seems like the police chief is definitely more dedicated to her job than the mayor is. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and here's the problem the way I see it, Kian. Um, the tolerance of Antifa, if you continue to turn a blind eye to their actions, we've seen them uh, vandalize cars of people that were just driving by. They had no dog in this race. They, they've been brutally beating people, sometimes with baseball bats. And if that keeps going on, I can only see these thugs getting more and more emboldened. What next? A knife? What next? Somebody actually getting killed? Because that's what you're feeding here. It's a mob mentality. And once they think they're immune from prosecution, um, what's to um, you know, put a governor on their actions in the future, Kian? Absolutely. You have no idea what these people can do. I, I mean, I've been in the thick of one of their riots in Ottawa. And it, it's, you know, it's unnerving because you never know which one of them has a knife on them. You never know what they're going to do, whether they're just going to smash your cell phone or if they're going to punch you in the face or if they're going to stab you. And I, I really think that this uh, law that has been suggested to stop them from protesting with masks on is really going to be a step forward because at the end of the day, they're cowards. 
Yeah. Antifa is run by cowards, and uh, and in the rank and file that are on the streets, they're all cowards. If they had to show their face, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing because they know that they're pathetic low lives. They know that if they showed their faces, there'd be repercussions, uh, and, and they'd be held accountable for their very very violent actions in the streets. Yeah. So once this happens, it it might be this the destruction of Antifa in Portland as we know it. Yeah, I am not cool whether it's mask worn by Antifa or uh, those who choose to wear the burqa and the niqab. I think the bedrock of our free society, Kian, is the fact that we can recognize one another. This is why we don't have checkpoints on every corner with somebody in a uniform going, your papers, please, right? If somebody regardless of what the mask is, whether it's the symbol of radical Islam or the symbol of Antifa, if somebody is masked and they, God forbid, were to do something violent to you, my friend, you are at an inherent disadvantage of identifying that person. It's wrong, it shouldn't be tolerated, and I hope that law goes through. What, what do you think the chances are of it, Kian? Well, the, Mayor Wheeler definitely has some support on council there. I, I spoke with Andy No personally when I was in Portland, um, not face to face, but um, over the phone we we spoke, and he he explained to me that there was uh, there's a contingent of councilors. They call them commissioners over there. Uh, of th there's a contingent of them that are very supportive of Mayor Wheeler, and some are even more radical. Than him, uh, there, there's two in particular which are blatant supporters of Antifa, and the council is pretty small. I believe it's seven people. Um, uh, you know, the, the these this council just recently voted to withdraw from the Joint Terrorism Task Force with the FBI, which basically was the equivalent of Bill C-51 here in Canada, the one that allowed law enforcement agencies to collaborate. Uh, to identify and uh, stop terrorist threats. Um, they pulled out of that in Portland because apparently terrorism isn't a threat to them, uh, but it, it, it's not a concern to that council, but clearly it's a threat to Portland. Well, you know what? So, terrorism so, isn't a threat to them, Kian. If you are in bed with the terrorists, which is what Antifa is, and as you said, there's a couple of counselors there that are supportive of these guys. So, uh, you know, it, it fits their agenda not to play ball with, you know, the federal authorities that want to crack down on these people. But, you know, I, I think the one thing I found affirming about your streeters, uh, Kian, was the fact that, um, contrary to what I thought I was going to see and hear, is that the vast majority of people you spoke with are not on board with Antifa. This suggests to me that this is a very, very squeaky wheel that's getting greased. And the one person that was sort of ambivalent, I, it was a young lady, I didn't really understand where she was coming from. You were asking, should they be deemed a, a terrorist organization? And she said, well, you know, um, that, that could be a free speech issue. I'm sorry, Kian, in my book, and we're pretty much free speech absolutists here, we believe in throwing phrases around, not fists. And I think that's where the free speech argument goes out the window once you're going to violently uh, attack people. Yeah, I, tr I tried my best while I was in Portland to find Antifa supporters. Uh, there was a guy in a Chairman Mao t-shirt that just wouldn't talk to me. He just kind of <laughs> ran away, uh, which speaks to the cowardice. But, all, you know, I, I spoke to uh, this really big dude with a Deadpool T-shirt on, I think it was, yeah. uh, and he was wearing brown lipstick. I was like, okay, this, this guy is going to be sympathetic to Antifa.
Uh, but no, he was just as upset with them, wanting to them labeled as domestic terrorists, just like everyone else. Uh, it's pretty unanimous in Portland that they don't support the violence of Antifa. The only person that seems to be capitulating to them is Mayor Ted Wheeler. Well, you know, we'll keep an eye on this file, uh, Kian. Uh, the silver lining, I think, is the fact that this received international attention. So I think there is now pressure, especially on this mayor, uh, not to let a fiasco like this happen again. So, you know, the, the proof in the pudding will be the next time there's going to be some sort of a- Antifa gathering. And one last question before we wrap, uh, Kian. What is it with the Pacific Northwest that attracts so many violent, loony lefties to live there in the first place. I know, I've always scratched my head. It's a beautiful part of the world. I don't know why it attracts such an ugly element of people. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, the same thing with Vancouver, uh, in Washington State. It might have something to do with overconsumption of marijuana. <laughs> I don't well, well, we'll leave it at that. I, I've, I've never imbibed. I, I always thought marijuana is supposed to calm you down, but uh, I guess it obviously, depending on the potency of it, it, it has a, a precise opposite effect. Anyways, Kian, uh, excellent report as always, my friend, and uh, stay safe uh, when you're walking the streets of Portland, that's for sure. Thank you again. Thanks, David. You got it. And that was Kian Bexty, our roving reporter. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. individual there he is on camera kicking that was a pro um, uh, life demonstrator he disagrees with that opinion so he has a track record where he physically assaults women that are at demonstration that you're gasping there ma'am can you believe it he only got eight months probation wow that's horrible that's awful i can't believe that i saw that video but i didn't know that he was doing that like all the time. Well, like if there's like multiple victims, and this, this is like a battery charge, no? Right? Oh, he had several charges of assault and public mischief, and he skated on all of them. Well, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like, is he well connected with someone? But I don't know. This does it doesn't make too much sense. I've seen this guy. You have seen this guy, <laughs> and that was him just kicking Marie Claire Bissonnette in the torso simply because she is a supporter of um, pro-life. Is, is he, this, is there a mental health issue? A mental health issue? You don't say. Well, I'm no psychiatrist, but if I were to bet on this snowflake having a screw loose, uh, yeah, folks, I think I'm betting the house on that one. But <clears throat> that's the thing, isn't it? Even if one believes for whatever perverse reason that Jordan Hunt doesn't deserve hard time in jail, surely this individual should be sent to a psychiatric facility but no, Justice Michael Block only gave him eight months probation and ordered him to steer clear of any future pro-life demonstrations. That's it. And that's outrageous. All of which is why we activated the Jumbotron-equipped truck to at least publicly shame both Jordan Hunt and Judge Block last Friday for four hours. Oh, and by the way, <clears throat> an extra big shout-out and thank you to all of you who contributed some dough to make this happen, if you'd still like to do so, please visit our website, jordanhunt.ca. And you know something? Not one person we met on the street that day agreed with the judge's sentence. Not one. 
which just goes to show you that what happens in our courtrooms, thanks to the whims of activist elitist judges, really doesn't reflect the mood of the law-abiding citizens who comprise the People's Court. In any event, here's what some of you had to say about yet another miscarriage of justice taking place in a Canadian courtroom. Bob the Buzzard writes, There you go, Mr. Jordan Hunt, social justice in your face. <laughs> yeah, you know what, Cuck Norris? How does it feel? Would you please stop? Jen reports, writes, Bring them my way. Sorry, Jen, in order to fulfill that request, you're going to have to join the double line to my left that is now stretching for, oh, some three kilometers now. But beware one and all, because these days, Jordan Hunt is packing heat. It's true. Check it out. Hold still. Well, not quite a roundhouse kick, but um, what kind of a assault was that? Reasonable guy writes, Jordan is a wonderful, kind person. He represents true diversity, and he is a role model citizen. It's unfortunate such a gentle young man is constantly victimized by alt-right extremists. Yeah, that would be the media narrative if any mainstream media types had even bothered to show up to cover this sham of a trial. But what gets me is that even with all the charges he faced, even after all the viral media exposure, Jordan Hunt can't suppress his violent tendencies. And if he isn't beating up women, well, he's beating up cameras. I know you like to make points with violence, but I'm right here. Hey, uh, excuse me, excuse me. Can we please get, stop? Get, do you want to be charged? I'm do not be doing charged? anything. Justine Smith writes, wonder what would have happened if a pro-life guy would have done this in front of an abortion clinic. Oh, we needn't wonder about that, Justine. I can promise you that it would be a media circus and there's no way that dude would be getting eight months probation, not a chance. And of course, Jordan Hunt, well, he'd get yet another good belly laugh. <laughs> Michael X writes, Interesting how little Johnny Fairy Dust goes only after women tried doing this to an actual man, and I'm sure he will be picking up his chiclets off the pavement. Well, Michael, he had the opportunity to take a shot at me back in April. Oh, and believe me, he so wanted to do so, but he declined. I wonder why. Well, yeah, it's cheap. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you're very touchy-feely, but... Um, why is it that you like to assault women so much? You have no, you know, contrition. You have no empathy, it seems. Really want to take your glasses. I miss them. Oh, do you? Do you really want to assault me? Just like mine. You know? I, I like them. You know, Jordan, there are many viewers on our website that would like to challenge you to a boxing match. Would you like to take them up? Eight of them? Oh, eight. 1.2 million, actually, but what? a loser. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.